Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. 1 Corinthians 10 For I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptised into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God wasn't pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Don't be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We shouldn't commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We shouldn't test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And don't grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except that is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we, who are many, are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Don't those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that the food sacrificed to an idol is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God and I don't want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, that's been offered in sacrifice, then don't eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks or the Church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. In the last chapter, 
Paul wrote that selfless love for others is foundational to following Jesus. Having made that point, Paul circles back round to the question of idols. He doesn't want immature believers to misunderstand the freedom he has asserted in chapter 8. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so any created thing is something we can enjoy with thankfulness. We believers should enjoy stuff. Eating chocolate can be a great form of worship. Alleluia and Amen. But the abuse of created stuff for our pleasure or devotion of ourselves to a God other than God can really arouse the Lord's jealousy. It got many Israelites killed. A neat way to understand this distinction is to say idols are harmless, but idolatry brings death. Idols have no negative influence on us. You can admire an artist's design of a Buddha statue or eat halal chicken, and it won't do you any spiritual harm at all. But idolatry is toxic for everyone, every time. Idolatry opens us up to the demonic and opens the church up to being destroyed. The toxicity of idolatry is that it sows disorder into your life. All of creation was made for God. He sits at the centre of it like the central hub of a spoked wheel. If you start to shift the central hub off to one side, you're headed for a bumpy ride and then a horrible crash probably into someone else in the church. When that starts to happen, the one Lord of the one church is aroused with one goal, to reassert himself as the one source and the one end of all creation. Only when that is the case can harmony and peace be ensured. And so, while we can admire an artist's sculpture of Buddha, and even value some of the Buddha's philosophical claims, if we start to think Buddha is the centre of our will, then we are headed towards trouble. And of course, idolatry isn't just about engagement with the practices of other religions. The most alluring form of idolatry seems to be the primary pursuit of profit, or the incessant imitation of influences, or barrowing down banquets of bounty. But these are just warnings about errors. The thrust of what Paul emphasises is the robust confidence we have in God. God loves us. He has our back. He made us all things for our pleasure. And if we just keep God as the central hub of our existence, then nothing, not even demons, can take us out of his care. So here's a question for reflection. The pursuit of which idol do you worry is most likely to be damaging Jesus' church today? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.